Before we start this episode, an important notice. Tomorrow's stories and the New Health Club inform about new forms of therapy that take place in secured, vetted and legal contexts. Under no circumstances do we instruct to possess or consume substances that are illegal in your country. On this episode of Tomorrow's Stories, Anne Filippi. Anne Filippi is the founder and CEO of the New Health Club, a lifestyle platform for new mental wellness, neural awareness and psychedelics. On this episode, she will share with us her thoughts on the future of psychedelics, their potential in helping with anxiety and depression, and how the narrative about mental health is currently changing. Let's go. Yeah, well, at the moment, of course, as you said, there's like, um, I think at the moment, almost 250 studies all over the world in um, universities around the, the new use of psychedelics in terms of mental health and depression treatment. Um, that would be obviously like the first wave of um, yeah, like, like a real severe reintroduction into society to come from psychiatry and saying, okay, this will be disrupting psychiatry and also because it's heavily needed because antidepressants and SSRIs are kind of just working for a little while and just for some people but the majority of people will not obviously have very very good experiences to take these medications on a lifelong mm-hmm. um, on a lifelong basis so <clears throat> I think that is what's happening right now Before we start, here's a little shout out to my production partner. This podcast is produced by the music and brand strategists at Raven and Finch. Together, we've created this format. And if you're looking for someone to advise you on your brand sound, check them out. All infos about Raven and Finch can be found in the show notes. Add it up. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of Tomorrow Stories. My name is Lizzie Prem, and on this podcast, I talk to some of the most exciting disruptors and people on the edge of tomorrow, so to speak, about what's new and what's next. Thank you so much for tuning in and also for subscribing. We have seen that quite a few of you have already signed up for this podcast, and it makes me personally and also my production team so happy. And we're really grateful about how well this podcast has already been received by you. Today, I have another exciting future topic, psychedelics, and I have another super cool woman that I will be talking to. She's called Anne Filippi, and Anne is a writer, actually. She used to write for Vogue and GQ. She has interviewed rock stars and actors for many years. She's also worked for German Vanity Fair. She was the Hollywood reporter for GQ Germany. How cool is that? And uh, she was also a regular contributor to Süddeutsche Zeitung and has really spoken to some of the biggest names in Hollywood. At the moment, she's the California expert for Frankfurt Allgemeine Quarterly, and she reports on California culture, tech, and digital trends. And in this capacity, she also comes across many, many new developments, for example, the new luxury cannabis market. And she also came across new psychedelic tools and therapies, and she's been very passionate about it, as you're going to hear. So uh, during the pandemic, she founded the New Health Club, which is a platform for new mental wellness and the new use of psychedelics. And she says she's here to change the narrative around mental health, mental wellness and psychedelics. So what are psychedelics actually? Well, we are talking about medical treatment with substances like psilocybin, Wow, I said it right. I'm so happy. You don't know how many times I've re-recorded this part here. (laughs) Yeah, so psilocybin, which is uh, magic mushrooms. Uh, We're talking about ketamine. We're talking about MDMA. We're talking about LSD and more. So as I said at the beginning of this episode, Tomorrow Stories and the New Health Club inform about new forms of therapy that take place only in secured, 
vetted and legal contexts. Of course, under no circumstances do we instruct to possess or consume substances that are illegal in your country. So please do keep this in mind when you're listening to this podcast. I've been following Anna since she first started her new health club Instagram account and I've just been fascinated with the topics that she brings up, the topics for conversations like what psychedelics do in couples therapy, psychedelics which help in treating anxiety or trauma, uh, post-traumatic stress disorders and depression. And currently there's actually international studies going on, clinical trials going on at universities in hospital and hospitals. So it's on the one hand, the science and scientific uh, background that is rediscovering psychedelics. But at the same time, there's also a pull by the patients that are looking for alternative methods and they are seeking this new kind of treatment that seems to be very interesting in many, many ways, but we're going to hear so much more about it. But let's be frank, here in Austria, Germany, and most other countries, psychedelics are banned. And we are talking about something that is yet to become something we can actually really integrate in our lives. So this is really the edge of tomorrow, just like I promised in my trailer for this podcast. And Anna is a true disruptor with her new health club. So I'm really, really excited about this talk. This episode is for you if you want to find out what the potential of psychedelics is for us humans and why they are actually on the rise right now. And also we're going to be talking about where psychedelics fit into the world of medicine, science and well-being. Anne will uh, let us in on how she is establishing the new health club and what the legal situation is in Europe right now and what shifts are currently happening. We will also learn what is crucial for a proper treatment and how people can access psychedelic medicine and what brands should know about this space and how they can best prepare for a future with psychedelics. So, yes, you can hear, this is really a jam-packed session with a true expert in her field. It's a super interesting talk, and I wish you a lot of fun listening, and you're going to be learning a lot more about this space. Enjoy. Hello, Anne. Really nice to have you here. Thanks for coming on this podcast. Thank you. And um, I'm very excited to be on a, can I say an Austrian podcast? Is it like an, an international podcast? It is an Austrian podcast. Made in Austria. <laughs> made in Austria, right. Broadcasting to the world. <laughs> made in Salzburg. A very trendy, Salzburg. super trendy city of Salzburg. And I love uh, it there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and um, for a trend forecaster, it's a bit mm -hmm. quiet, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, there's, but there's a lot of international companies here. Yes. People would not mm -hmm. uh, think mm -hmm. that it's, and also in summer, of course, with the summer festival, very international. But uh, today's topic, psychedelics, might be a bit <laughs> out there for Salzburg. <laughs> Salzburg. <laughs> yeah, and and for some people, for sure, and that's why uh, it's such an exciting field, and I'm so happy to have you here to talk oh, about it. You. I've been following you on Instagram for a few years, actually, now I think, and I'm just uh, really uh, very, very interested in how psychedelics are just becoming such a big topic in therapy uh in mm -hmm. uh, couples therapy recently i saw a post by you mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's something that in certain areas uh psychology is just having like some sort of a renaissance and uh because it's it's a topic that has been there in the 60s and 70s mm -hmm. so my first question is a very big one, actually. It's uh, what is the potential of psychedelics for us humans? And why is it on the rise right now? Why is this topic everywhere mm -hmm. right now? Well, I think the most interesting thing to start that answer is that it has always been a very big part in cultures and societies that we base our culture on. Let's say in Europe, like the democracy, um, <clears throat> sorry, related to the Greek culture and um let's if, if we keep talking about the greek let's say culture or like um engagement with psychedelics it already started thousands of years ago 
that Greek philosophers and, um, yeah, I mean, basically philosophers and writers engaged in psychedelic experiences um, to really maybe sharpen their view on the world and on, on society and, and the human nature and human being. And, but until maybe a couple of years ago, there was nothing about that. So it was very hard to find literature about it. You might go to Harvard and Oxford and find a couple of books in the super cool libraries. But, um, and then like a couple of years ago, I think it was two years ago, Brian Murarescu, uh, um, an American lawyer, uh, wrote a book about exactly that, like how psychedelics were always part of religion, of cultural in, informed um, uh, societies like, like, like the Greeks. And it's called The Immortality Key, by the way. It's, it's a very interesting read. Um, and he even went to the Vatican to research um, in a library about the early use of psychedelic beer in Christianity before the church got created. So yeah, it sounds like all like crazy information when you, when you hear it, but it was actually a very big part of, um, let's say, even forming um, an, a, a religious identity around um, a specific church, for example. So, and then of course, as we know, this topic was kind of hidden very long. And then, as you already said, it came back in the 60s with a couple of uh, scientists who started to research. And um, my, my, some people might know Timothy Leary, who started mm -hmm. to research yep. the topic in Harvard, but then unfortunately, kind of he lost a little bit his uh, direction, one could say. And uh, Harvard canceled the whole psychedelic studies, which are actually, again, starting now again but in the 60s then or early 70s richard nixon turned the whole idea of psychedelic use into a war on drugs and um, i think in 1973 finally criminalized every psychedelic and after this it was pretty much impossible even for university universities uh, to look into psychedelics again as even as a research topic it was so, even um, illegal to store lsd for example in in the basement of a university because you would store an illegal highly illegal drug for research reasons and but at the same time as we know albert hoffman had invented in the late 40s lsd and um, was actually researching with it some psychiatrists like stanislav grof started to kind of use it and and and, and um on in 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 psychiatries in the 60s to try to help people to work through very heavy trauma um there's a dutch psychiatrist called jan bastians who did lsd therapy with holocaust survivors in the 60s so it was actually um already kind of ingrained in a scientific idea about psychology and, and psychiatry but then after, let's say, the, mm, yeah, the war on drugs started, you could mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. all of this wasn't possible anymore. And then I think it was around early 2000. Yeah, I mean, of course, there were some studies before, but 2016, I think Robin Card Harris, back then at Imperial College, and now he's at USC in California, um, he looked into um, the first study again, like to how LSD would actually try to help through trauma and, and work on a yeah, psychedelic psychological level for patients who were suffering depression. And it was, I think, the first study that he could undertake on humans and not on rodents anymore. So mm -hmm. because before it was highly illegal, mm -hmm. as I mm -hmm. said, not even a study would be possible. So and I think since then, the whole topic has become, as you already said, also <clears throat> really big again, because first of all, um, I think people started to remember how effective psychedelic therapy could be, which people in the 60s already kind of knew that it would be very successful. And the second thing, the second reason, as we're experiencing now, is that obviously the need for new tools in, in psychiatry, mm -hmm. but yeah. also in just rather regular therapy, not only if you're already like really depressed, but only also in like normal therapy, which doesn't really work for a lot of people anymore. The need has become to find or to look into new tools has become really, really strong. And 
as we know now with COVID or we keep saying post pandemic, but we're not even out of it yet really. So, but let's say in a year or something, it's really kind of, you know, we don't have to go through these motions anymore with um, rising numbers, falling numbers, rising numbers. So let's yeah. say it's really over. Even then, um, you would have something like almost like a COVID PTSD situation, like a post-traumatic mm-hmm. stress yeah. situation yeah. from mm-hmm. these last, let's say roughly three, four years by then, where you, first of all, remember, we didn't have a vaccination. People wouldn't know, what, if, will, they, will I die maybe if I catch it? Then you think it's over. Then you have another wave. And then all these kind of, we talked earlier, these these kind of very insecure and in unpredictable life situations, way more unpredictable than life before, mm-hmm. will actually, and that's already numbers that are there, will actually make the um, the number of people that suffer from severe depression four times as high as now. Mm-hmm. On top of things, you have people already now like suffering from mild anxiety around this whole thing or social anxiety to come back to a bigger group of people or into your workspace where suddenly there are 20 people every day and you kind of, your system has (laughs) accepted that it's just you and maybe one other family member or two. So all these kind of um, readjustments or realignments to a reality that is not even the same like before, because it will be a different one. Yeah. Actually, in my perception, really, really needs and requires a new tool set. And that I think is possible to present with psychedelic therapy. So uh, what I hear from you is that on the one hand, the driver is the scientific world uh, Mm -hmm. looking Mm -hmm. into it again. And on the other hand, you have society, people, uh, the whole self-care, mental health trend, people wanting different solutions. Mm -hmm. So where do you see psychedelics in the world of well-being? Is it a medication? Is it something which Mm -hmm. is self-care? Like what is, where, where do you see it? Yeah, well, at the moment, of course, as you said, there's like, um, I think at the moment, almost 250 studies all over the world in um, universities around the the new use of psychedelics in terms of mental health and depression treatment. Um, that would be obviously like the first wave of, um, yeah, like, like a real severe reintroduction into society to come from psychiatry and saying, okay, this will be disrupting psychiatry and also because it's heavily needed because antidepressants and SSRIs are kind of just working for a little while and just for some people, but the majority of people will not obviously have very, very good experiences to take these medications in a lifelong, mm-hmm. um, on a lifelong basis. So <clears throat> I think that is what's happening right now, the scientific research right now is a very important part of this whole reintroduction of psychedelics in society because it already shows their scientific proof that this is not some crazy idea some person had at one point in California. So it's just a very severe scientifically proven fact that psychedelic therapy will help you. So that's the thing that's happening Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I think the next step almost could be that, um, it becomes like such a normal way of looking into either coaching, um, normal therapy, couple therapy, um, that it will, there will be centers or, or like places um, where you could go as a completely, maybe not very depressed person, very normal person to engage in the qualities that psychedelic information can provide for you. And I'll give you an example for when we talk about, for example, couples therapy, mm-hmm. which is rather on the, you could say more the lifestyle side than the psychiatry side. So for example, um, it's just an article in, in the, um, in the New York times about um, MDMA and couples therapy, for example. And it's often that um, when a couple is applying for psychedelic couples therapy besides the other just regular couples therapy 
that they find out that at least one of them maybe is suffering from a trauma that they've never really looked into. And that, of course, affected the relationship very strongly mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. them knowing that it was ever there. And then, of course, the next question is often, what, what about the other person? Why do they even take this on? And what does it say about them? So meaning that, let's say, if you look about look at psychedelics in, in the well-being context, for example, in a couple of years, that every couple would be have the possibility to go to a regular psychedelic, psychedelic therapist and undertake a psychedelic-supported couple therapy, they would actually find way faster the real challenges that their relationship is actually maybe suffering from. And um, it's kind of interesting. It's exactly like in normal therapy. I mean, of course, normal therapy is nothing bad, nothing wrong with that. But I think, and that's also from my own experience, it's like you can talk about things on a certain surface for years, maybe for yep. 20 years, maybe, I don't know. Like, and, and you still would come back to the same topic. Mm. Or you would think that this topic is now resolved because you talked about it in therapy, <laughs> but then you, you leave the practice and you're like, well, I mean, I think I'm back to the time before I just talked about it 10 minutes ago. So, and I think engaging in a psychedelic assisted therapy is working on such a different level than just on a regular, let's say um, for now, let's call it superficial um, talk therapy level. So, and I think mm -hmm. that's, that's going to be, these insights will also affect the, um, an idea of, of well-being in therapies or in, in engagements. Like, I mean, of course it, at one point this will end in a certain wellness sector, mm -hmm. but I think a very important thing to say is that it should be really, even if it at one point lands and in, in the wellness world, it always has to be, or it should be guided. It should be. Um, vetted, like people should talk to you before you do this. You should talk to a psychiatrist, to a psychologist, and it should be also legal. I mean, because of course, as we know, there are so many things that are happening right now in some illegal contexts, mm -hmm. and that is sometimes very harmful for a healthy development of psychedelics into a society. And then somebody gets arrested, and then it's in the media, and it's like, oh, drugs, oh, let's forget about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have it's so interesting I just have a million questions popping up in my head okay and we could take this conversation in so many directions right now yeah but that's true <laughs> where do you come uh in to this space uh, with your mm -hmm. new health club what do you do so we are actually or I would say I started a podcast as you know around the mm -hmm. topic of psychedelics in 2020 And uh, since it was also the year of COVID and sitting at home, so I suddenly had a weekly show because there was nothing else to do. So very fast, I had very much people on the show, like everybody who's kind of redefining now the space, uh, CEOs, um, authors like Michael Pollan, Uh, CEOs like Christian Angermeyer, uh, founders of Atai, the founder of Atai Life Sciences, then um, God, Rick Dublin, the founder of Maps, um, Mike Tyson is going to come on a show next wow. month. So, so I mean, all the people in 2020 now who let's say created this new industry and ecosystem, and I think that year was very specific around 2020. Mm -hmm something kind of happened there and I guess it has, has again to do with COVID. <laughs> so um, yeah. And then um, I was like, okay, wow, there's this podcast. Um, I didn't even think of it as a company first, but then we actually had a lot of people getting in touch with us because they heard the podcast saying like, well, I mm -hmm. heard you talking about ketamine therapy I think I want to do this because I have exactly the same condition that the scientists describe. So you could say suddenly we had these kind of, um, yeah, you could say it became like a sales funnel in a weird way for a psychedelic <laughs> therapy. So mm -hmm. at one point we had exactly that situation in front of us, but of course we couldn't, you know, you wouldn't sell substances or sell therapies because you can't do it yet. So, and And then last year, um, we got into a very big accelerator program with Axel Springer and Porsche, APX. 
And then if you get into that program like that, you kind of think about how could your business model look like once you turn it into a company. And again, that was not very easy to really figure out because most companies in the psychedelic space are drug development. So, and it mm -hmm. means like in yeah. 2025, at one point they have their big breakthrough and then they're kind of becoming the new Pfizer of psychedelics, hopefully something like that. So, and, um, but of course you can't really sell products. You can't, you know, in Germany or like it's even there, it's impossible to do something right now. So And then at one point, we started to collaborate very closely with Fieldtrip in Amsterdam. And Fieldtrip Health mm -hmm. is a company that's actually from Canada and, and America, but they're very um, much focused in America. They're, on, on cat, they're focused on ketamine in America. But here in Amsterdam, in Europe, they're focused on magic truffles because that's legal to use in, ther in a therapeutical context in the Netherlands. So, and suddenly we started to refer people from Germany who were interested in that to the Netherlands. And um, so suddenly there was another funnel situation <laughs> that just came out of, um, <laughs> yeah, kind of nowhere suddenly. So, but then of course you have to think about, oh, okay, this is still something that has a legal, you know, you have to be yeah. very careful with the law doing this. So that led to the point that we now opening a Dutch entity because we have to, because it's like, you know, otherwise mm -hmm. you would, you would undertake an illegal activity. And, um, and then also we realized that um, one thing that we thought of, which actually happened by itself in January is that a big company approached us and said like, well, um, we would like to send our team and our employees on a psychedelic trip if they want to. <laughs> That is so, very cool. <laughs> another, what, what area is this company in? Is it a... Well, I mean... I Can you say? I have to check if I can say it. I want to be vague at this point. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we can write it in your show notes at one point. But um, <laughs> it is a company from the space, but not only. It has parts of the company mm -hmm. that are in the psychedelic space, not, not all of, not all of yeah. them. So... And, uh, but still suddenly we had like, well, we have like 40, 50 people here who uh, applied for the trip yeah, in, in yeah. Amsterdam. So, and, um, <clears throat> sorry, I'll just take a zip here. And then actually, as you know, like a little bit, if you know a little bit of startup culture, you kind of, yeah, you kind of try to experiment with things and you see what works. Then you leave the things that don't work and you take the things that work. So, and that was a very interesting um, experience um, and also kind of feedback from a whole company being interested in bringing a team or like, you know, parts of their employees who want to do this to the Netherlands through us. So meaning that what we're doing now which we're just working on together with field trip. We just and are in the process of creating a special retreat for C-level people and for employees. Mm -hmm. And then we will actually offer this to companies if they're um, how to engage in a psychedelic support system for their companies. And now you could ask of course, why should the companies and their employees and their C-level to a psychedelic um, retreat in the Netherlands? Well, I mean, again, like, as we all know, like everything is pretty much everything is changing in the work culture, in the leading leadership culture. You have to be adaptable, like there's no tomorrow. You would, you would not know what's going to be next autumn. We would not know if there's a new variant or where we're going to be at that time. Um, so the adaptability has to become super strong if you're in a leadership team. Um, If you come back as a normal employee into a, a really big, you know, office or just coming back to work in general, you will not be, you will be very relieved first and great. I see everybody again, but this last two years, three years have done something to you um, that you might not even know once you really come back to the office. But I think like the whole world and especially also the working world has underwent, 
underwent, under, under, undergone, undergone, <laughs> yeah. exactly, has undergone such a huge transformation as we, I mean, as we, if mm -hmm. you read uh, um, LinkedIn every day, I mean, there's, there are millions of articles, how the work culture, how employees are changing. The big resignation. In, resignation, yeah. then exactly. That, that's a super good mm -hmm. point you're making. There's this one New York Times podcast where this one woman, um, she, she quit her job in a pandemic. And she just did a podcast about it, why I finally quit my job. And it was hugely successful. Mm, yeah. So, and you would think, why is a podcast successful when somebody quits a job? But it obviously talked to, to so many people um, mm. that they just finally had the opportunity to just leave behind what made them very unhappy, maybe for a long time. I mean, it sounds a little romantic, but I think it really, that's what's really happening. And at the same time, if you're in a company, And um, you kind of want to have like a, a burnout prevention. You want to really have a tool to make yourself look into your real passions or talents or attractions or um, what you really like in life or love in life. This is something that a psychedelic experience can certainly help you with. And, and the same goes for leadership teams who need mm -hmm. to learn other qualities then obviously, which we see worldwide, um, then what was actually necessary maybe 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, and through coming back to the new health club, since you ask what it is actually. So um, we are actually a platform to reintroduce psychedelics into society. That is actually I would say at the moment, the main um, manifest, which sometimes changes along the line, but this reintroduction is happening or kind of can happen on, on many levels, like in the workspace and in, in relationships in, I don't know, um, in your idea of yourself. And of course we try to, at the moment, we kind of working on, let's call it products around yep possible mm -hmm, reintroduction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i mean of course again like the the, the medical and important part and, and the, the medical and the, the science part is very important in this because you can take the scientific approach and the scientific uh, results which are again like super important for what are we doing and base our activities on scientific results and without that Honestly, I would not be very comfortable also to just talk about it like that mm -hmm, when there wouldn't mm -hmm. be any kind of research around this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But can uh, an individual person, like someone suffering uh, from anxiety and yeah. someone who's heard from you, like you mm -hmm. said before, the ketamine yeah. therapy, come to you? Is that a service you provide? Absolutely. Can they get in Absolutely. touch with you and say, mm -hmm. um, this is my problem? What mm -hmm. is, where should I turn to? So you're kind of like uh, someone who is within the network, like a network node that then feeds into. Absolutely. I mean, and exactly, yeah. exactly what you, what you describe is already happening. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. and, and again, like in 2020, we had really people writing to us, like you're my last chance. Um, I tried everything. Now I can't see anybody. I'm just so close to killing myself. I mean, people really wrote this to us. So, mm -hmm. and I think it was then also when I when I realized how severe the situation mm -hmm. really is mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And there's no doesn't have anything to do with age. Like all age groups were, were actually writing yeah, to us. Yeah. And <clears throat> but I mean to answer your question, yes. Um, and so th the only thing that's really important to say is that. If you are interested in anything that's happening, let's say in a psilocybin or, or let's say a um, magic truffles, like in the Netherlands activity, then this would have to go through us just in being created our Dutch entity. But there's this other opportunity of looking into ketamine therapy. And this is something that is interesting enough exists already in Germany, but nobody hardly, or like in Europe, you could oh, say, okay. but hardly mm -hmm. anybody knows what it actually is that you can do it, how to actually, um, you know, how much it costs and where you would go. And actually in Berlin, there are two already two practices who are doing this. And, um, but <clears throat> we're going to work with a, a bigger company called NeuroCare from Munich And they're soon going to open here a bigger practice. And um, then in Munich, they will yeah. they have one in Munich already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, 
they will open another one here in Berlin and I think in Cologne. So it, it's going to be all over Germany and all over Europe. This was actually actually one of my next questions, the legal mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. We are talking LSD, MDMA. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking all these things that are illegal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what is the situation right situation now? The situation is, is it, very is it, easy. Yeah. In a way that you could say um, <laughs> ketamine therapy is legal if it's happening in this in a specific setup like let's okay. say if you have intravenous uh, ketamine sessions a doctor who's connected to a hospital has to be the person who gives you mm -hmm. that so it can't be just some somebody who just knows how to um you know give you um, an, an infusion so that's very clear but also very legal at the same point if that doctor is involved and if there's a therapist so then Magic mushrooms, magic truffles. Germ like, let's say Germany, Austria, I don't, like, might be a little Must be the same. Yeah. Same, I guess. But <laughs> Germany, 100% Schedule One drug, which means Schedule One is like the highest form of illegal um, engagement, illegal drugs or substance. Um, of course, that is now kind of revisited, like in, in terms of looked at differently since there are so many studies, but it's still there right now. So LSD, Schedule 1, um, MDMA, Schedule 1. So all these kind of other, let's say, substances, at the moment, they are only used in a, in a university context, in a research context. I've been seeing and in Mannheim, at the Charité exactly, in Berlin, yeah. there's mm -hmm. lots of lots of clinics yeah, yeah. now doing things. And in Switzerland. Absolutely. Switzerland, so I mean, since mm -hmm. LSD was invented there also, they always had a strong tradition in researching psychedelics and looking into um yeah the possibility of, of treatments like there's Franz Vollenweider who's a very interesting very uh, serious scientist at the University of Zurich super super interesting guy and um you can he explains very well the how psychedelics work in the brain so if you Uh, mm -hmm. If you're interested in, in mm -hmm. um, listening to him, he's very much so. Thank you for since the like mm -hmm. he's like in his 70s now, and he so obviously he had the whole experienced the whole um, trajectory since the 60s. Um, and uh, yeah, and then as you said in Charité, there's the there are two studies happening now with psilocybin, which is the uh, psychedelic compound in magic mushrooms. So, and one of them is already is, is sponsored by the Bundesregierung already before the new government. Mm. Yeah. So, and then um, there will be an MDMA study in, in terms of MAPS. Um, and MAPS is like probably the biggest at the moment nonprofit organization looking into MDMA assisted psychotherapy. And since um, I think in 2023, MAPS kind of expects um, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy becoming legal in the States. So mm -hmm. that's the, and the assumption right now that probably will happen by then. And this will, of course, at, at one point affect Europe. But um, for now, this is still a very clear situation what is legal and what is illegal mm -hmm. and, i mean and we're the, talking europe now so because america is, is a different thing again and the netherlands are a little bit uh yes, more as we open know. to the topic yeah also <laughs> the netherlands were always yeah. this this crazy country um but it's not so crazy actually because i think the netherlands are very interesting have become very interesting to me because they have a very strong business culture and a very open-minded mm -hmm. uh as we know culture to Yeah, to kind of new ideas around um, substances. Although, I mean, now cannabis is very difficult again in in uh, in the Netherlands. So, oh. but mm -hmm. still, you can walk into a coffee shop and, and buy it, and you can also walk into a coffee shop and buy magic truffles in in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. So, but still, the um, let's say field trip, the the retreat we collaborate with is the way they actually do psychedelic assisted therapy with truffles i mean i think at the moment this is the only country where this is possible in that way so i mean in europe i mean again like so so you are truly a pioneer with the health club and parts of your business model i guess have 
2025 this is going to happen but <laughs> so you're yeah, really I mean, looking into the future of when things will be possible though no? i guess from a legal perspective yeah absolutely but i think what we talked earlier i think the first wave will be that it's possible to execute this in a medical context a meaning yeah. that let's say you suffer from depression and then you could go to charité or to I don't know, to, to a big hospital in, in Europe and could say, okay, I would like to look into psychedelic mm -hmm. therapy and not into SSRIs that I have to take. I mean, I feel that this is going to be the first step that's happening. And also, of course, like um, the whole, let's say the creation of new pharma around these um, substances. I mean, there's Waska Pharma, there are people researching Ayahuasca in terms of how it could turn into medication. Mm -hmm. um, same goes with LSD for microdosing and, and psilocybin. So there are many companies in the space who are researching new medication based on psychedelic substances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but at the same time, once this is established, um, which it will be maybe faster than we think now, there's a way better understanding of how this could be already be taken out of a medical context or a strictly medical context and put into a context where you have almost like an aspect of prevention from depression, which is something that I strongly believe in, that <clears throat> if you kind of engage in this, let's say in your 30s, um, and you actually find by undertaking um, a legal, safe, and vetted experience, maybe every mm -hmm. every one and then in a, a couple of years, what you actually, what your purpose in life is, and what you kind of missing, or what maybe deeply has traumatized you without even knowing that you really remember this, when you can find that out on a very in a very early earlier age than most people mm -hmm. do, which mm -hmm. sometimes just happens in their fifties and sixties right now. Um, it's going to be a very interesting tool how to prevent yourself from, from depression and burnout. I'm mm -hmm. really convinced mm -hmm. that I, this is I very, can, yeah. um, it's very valid actually to say that. I, I, think. I do. I do agree hearing stories from friends, what they're experiencing. And um, yeah, even though it is illegal, you do hear people going to Brazil doing ayahuasca ceremonies yeah, Brazil, or even okay. all over sure. the place. Yeah. Yeah. And But um, we need to touch upon it. What do you say to skeptics if uh, someone, I'm sure you also encounter yeah, yeah, a lot of, of barriers. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> mm. I say to skeptics, they're lawyers who can tell you that this yeah. is absolutely doable. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, of course, it's a very important topic that um, you cannot just also like say, oh, if you don't understand this, then you must be stupid. And because there are severe things to look at. I mean, recently the topic of, for example, sexual abuse in psychedelic experiences has become a really mm. big topic. And there were a couple of uh, yeah, so-called shamans and people who come from maybe an over-spiritualized background than this, who were really doing severe harm to people in an ayahuasca ceremony or like truffle ceremony. And um, <clears throat> that's something that you cannot take lightly at all because you're super vulnerable in that state of tripping. And I mean, this is something that is really super important to, for example, to look into. And every critic who's like, well, this is happening has is right that this is really something that's a very severe um, problem around especially let's say um rather um illegal once in a while here and there ayahuasca retreats because nobody could ever control this because and shamans would say the so-called shamans would say well i didn't do anything she just had yeah. a really mm -hmm. weird trip and what could i do so so i mean that is something that's really um, a problem and where critics for example come and say okay look at this this is like really a really serious business but I think in general the criticism comes from the old storytelling around psychedelics and the very stigmatized um, 
perception like that it's a drugs and hippies use it and um, people are not working anymore once they're on LSD and they just think everything is super nice and they're tripping the whole day and they forget they have responsibilities like all these kind of let's say um yeah old school perceptions or a story stories around psychedelics which of course have been planted since the yeah mid 70s um so it's kind of hard to you know to start to get rid of them because i think if you would walk down the street and you would people ask what do you think of do have you heard of lsd what comes to mind they would not say oh it's robin card harris Uh, researching and making great progress <laughs> you would say no. oh it's charles manson um crazy people in woodstock yeah. dancing and stuff so but i think it's also interesting to see how much of a storytelling that has been over such a long time because if nixon wouldn't have uh, created this war on drugs um, narrative around this we would probably say today well yeah i mean you can go to a university and uh, do an lsd therapy so It's just really interesting how um, a political kind of statement was made around psychedelics and that kind of kept going over the years. And mm. again, of course, I'm not, I'm really not a fan of just saying to people like, oh, just go out there and try it out. It's so cool. I would never say that also, because I think especially if you do this the first time in your life, whatever it is. I think it's absolutely important that you're in a safe uh, set and setting. You're not like somewhere out there on a, I don't know, in walking in around the Brazilian the city. rainforest. Well, I mean, that, by yourself, that might maybe. Be in, in, in <laughs> yeah. the, the whole Brazilian thing is, is something else, of course, because that's mm -hmm. a whole different cosmology where the idea of taking ayahuasca is happening there. But I mean, now for like, if we keep uh, um, stick to Europe, like you would just go on a party or you would just go. Uh, I don't know, to Amsterdam, buy truffles and walk through the city. So mm -hmm. of course it can be fun and it can be nice. I'm not saying that this will never be possible, but I think the problem is a little bit that you really would, I think I'm a very big fan of looking into conditions before you actually engage in psychedelics in terms of what have you experienced in your life? Are you kind of suppressing something your whole life that you might even not know you're suppressing the, your whole life? And if that topic or if these, these topics are come up suddenly in a trip, it is really difficult to manage this alone, I would mm -hmm. say, or with people who are also high and just like having a super good time and you're suddenly the person who doesn't and you mm -hmm. don't know why. So um <clears throat> I think that topic of just really looking into possible, let's say, um, structures in you that might be really harmful for you. So it's very important, I think. But I think at the same time, I think it's absolutely possible that we will develop in the next couple of years a very rather normal approach to, to get into a psychedelic therapy or, I mean, that's something I realized here in Berlin, so many people are microdosing right now and um, or, or approaching us saying like, yeah, I want to start somehow. I heard so much about it and I feel like I need something to go through my daily life. And, and something that's really, uh, there were even articles about uh, psychedelic parenting, which if you listen, if you hear mm -hmm, the title, mm -hmm. you're like, oh my God, so this is the end of the world, like uh, parents on LSD or something. But it's actually, it has become again, in the last couple of years, a tool in a pandemic for some people to really manage their overwhelming workload and mental load with maybe two children at home, um, homeschooling, um, everybody's sunny at home. There's a whole different situation. <clears throat> you can't escape anymore maybe to your gym <laughs> for one yeah, hour. Yeah, and there is the mommy wine culture anyway. I exactly. Mean, Very good point. Alcohol. Very good point. And this whole thing is like, this is totally acceptable, of course. And I remember mm -hmm. going to my Pilates studio. It's like always this, oh, now we go for wine. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really <laughs> engage so much in wine anymore. But I think it's very interesting that exactly that is totally accepted. At the same time, people realizing, fuck, alcohol, sorry, uh, alcohol is not really doing it for me. Quite the opposite. I become 
less active, I become tired, I become um, cranky, I have a hangover the next day maybe. So, <clears throat> so this whole idea of alcohol suppressing things, it's, it's also, it's a very old and very acceptable idea, but as we know, it really doesn't work. And I think that's why a lot of very serious, established, uh, wealthy people, I mean, not wealthy, like normally bourgeois cultural class here, approached us and asking about microdosing because there needs to be like, like the, the world gives us such new tasks that we I feel we can't handle that with the tasks we used to have to handle the world. And now it's a, we are on the way to a completely new world with everything, with crypto, the metaverse, psychedelics. So um, a virus that is completely unpredictable, if we're really honest. So there need to be, I mean, it's almost like a logical thing. We need mm -hmm. new tools to engage in a new reality. So, and and it's, it's you could almost say it like as a scientific approach, it doesn't even have to do it to do anything with um with drug regulations or something or with um oh you shouldn't do drugs it's I mean, culture it's culture it's, no yeah. like it's so interesting how culture is taking it back now yes yes and because it needs it i yeah. think i mean it needs it for two things i think a lot of people are missing out on a spiritual experience this is also something that is a really big point why totally agree. Coming mm -hmm. back. Yeah. because the thing is with let's say this this let's call it the old idea of religion just i mean i come from a catholic background i don't feel very comfortable going into a church i feel actually i never did in my whole life so in my trips i saw that i'm very attracted to uh, to the jewish culture and to jewish ideas of spirituality so which i can now kind of move towards to mm -hmm. um but then also there are people who are experiencing not a specific religious background as a spiritual experience. They just have a nature, um, an, an, an idea of going into nature again. Then suddenly they move even to into a more nature's surrounding. I mean, you're in Austria, so you're always in the mountains. Um, but I mean, uh, I think that is also something that is very strong, has a, has a strong comeback, let's, let's put it that way, because we completely lost also a lot of um, personal experiences of, of uh, spirituality because like I we totally said earlier, agree. Mm -hmm. we only have the hardcore religions. Some people don't really want to engage in that anymore. But even in, in let's say, in, in classic religions, like for example, Judaism, there's a movement of, especially with younger rabbis, of opening up to, with the support of psychedelics to a new idea of a Jewish spirituality. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that is also... Super, super interesting. And mm -hmm. I think this is also a very strong reason why this whole thing around psychedelics has such a strong comeback. So it's not only the medical and the depression mm -hmm. reason, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, and uh, you were touching it in the very beginning you were saying that a company came towards you and said uh, can mm -hmm. we send employees on a yeah. trip like uh, so what what do you think that brands and companies in general uh, need to know about this space and how mm -hmm. should they be best prepared for this because it is listening to you it sounds like it's definitely going to be our future yeah i think i mean um let's start with the idea around the sea level right i mean there i think it's very easy to say that let's say you have 10 people on your C-level running a, a really big company. It doesn't even even have to be a startup. It can be like any big company. So I think one, one of the things is that um, the very important things is that people being part of a C-level now almost have to transform themselves into kind of opening up to a new leadership reality. The number one thing is adaptability. As we said earlier, you have to change plans in like maybe a week instead mm -hmm, of half mm -hmm. a year. Um, and I think you could say that a guided psilocybin experience or truffle experience really helps you with that because your neuroplasticity is actually being, being enhanced after a trip. And you just you can make connections in your brain that you will not be able to do before, and you won't be able to do without the trip. So mm -hmm. you start you start to connect 
topics, problems, items, um, situations that your company goes through in a very different, very new way. It's almost like inventing the electric car. <laughs> like, so <laughs> uh, you have to invent a new um, leadership style. And then another thing coming out of um, this, let's say, uh, travel experiences is that your capacity for being empathic to people that you actually guiding or that you leading the company with like your team has also is also transforming on a very strong in a very strong way and sometimes even in a way that is not immediately obvious to you that you walk out of the trip and you're like oh now I understand this annoying person who I always get into a fight with in meetings <laughs> but sometimes it's just a very mm -hmm. little and subtle thing that happens and I give you a quick example so My mother, for example, my whole life, she told me like, um, yeah, are you okay with money? Are you okay with money? And I was like, it was freaking me out. And we got always into fights. So, because I thought she doesn't believe me that I can achieve something. But then she started to talk more about her being a single mother in the seventies and just always panicking that she wouldn't have enough money to support me. Mm -hmm. So, and for the first time after my two trips I did at Field Trip, I really started to feel in my it sounds corny now but it really was in my whole body what she actually meant with that and it made me so almost I almost cried because I was like oh this is where she's coming from mm -hmm. it's not mm -hmm. coming from a point of knack 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 I don't believe you you're great and stuff so and I think this is like a almost like a very subtle development coming back to the leadership people that you can actually um develop in big in a psychedelic experience. And um, I think that if you're a leader who can actually be empathic to the people who work for him or her uh, or they, um, it's actually, it's fantastic. You will have an amazing company if people yeah, are not yeah. kind of fearing a hierarchical rage around them all the time. I mean, as we see in so many TV shows now, how this is not working mm -hmm. anymore. So, and then, but now let's, let's move, move uh, further to the employees. I think in an interesting way, the employee, and, and this might sound um, kind of negative, but I think some people enjoy being, working for a company. Not everybody wants to have a company. So, and um, if you're an employee, you still can be somebody who has their own idea how to work in a company in, to the point that you really enjoy this, that you really feel you're in a community. You can progress. You can, um, yeah, even maybe get into your own um, leadership position in the company mm -hmm. at one point. And I think, I mean, I feel like being having been an employee for a while myself, like when I was still working in media, um, I think the most difficult thing was always like to, for example, to feel in which direction you should go. Yep. but also mm -hmm. in the company, but also how to look at yourself in a way that you would, for example, feel very fast. Oh, now I kind of overdid it for the last couple of months. I have to pull back a little bit. Otherwise I will burn out. Can I talk to my boss about this if I'm burning out and will he take me serious? And all these kind of, you know, secret mm -hmm. questions mm -hmm. that an employee is asking themselves without telling anybody ever because of fear, feeling or fearing that they won't be taken seriously so or that they might be not strong enough and everything but i think with let's say with a regular psychedelic experience for a employee or as the employee you're way more capable of getting in touch with yourself and checking in with yourself first what you would actually need to really have a fulfilling and healthy relationship to your work Mm -hmm. So, which means that the the chances of burning out are way less um, possible than mm -hmm. without that. And I mean, now something. I mean, and, and of course, if if you're if you're a company who has many employees who will burn out, you have a huge problem. It costs you a lot of money. Something feels off with your company yeah. culture, and you don't. You probably not necessarily proud of having 20 people telling you every month how burned out they are so mm -hmm. it's a very interesting new approach to 
um, let's say, even create a company around this idea of almost taking over responsibility for, for yourself also, at, at the same time, being much more open and compassionate to your team and to coworkers. Um, and this goes for the C-level and for the employees. And I think mm -hmm. it could be an amazing tool to really kind of um, lead companies into the next um, era of companies. Mm -hmm. I, I think this will happen with or without us, by the way. So, And that can happen in, in any kind of company, in any Absolutely. industry. Absolutely, yeah. But um, also within the space of psychedelics, I'm sure that through the next years, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for brands to come in. And, yeah. and yeah. pharmaceutical brands, of course, that are already in the field, but I'm sure mm -hmm. there's also psychotherapists, psychiatrists that sure. might come up with new brands and things. So how do we sum this all up, this conversation? Um, I, I don't know. That's right. I, <laughs> I mean, I have so many questions now. <laughs> Even more. We can do another round. We, I mean, it's we, We've run out of time now. It's, it's uh, really uh, very, very cool yeah. to speaking to you. And uh, well, I'm happy you like it. Um, no, I think the, We can do a second round, maybe in a couple of months, once we have the first we should. companies um, we should. <laughs> put we through the process. Definitely. But I think, I mean, to sum it up, I feel like, and, and um, I think we talked about this already, it's like, I feel like this is the, the time we're in now. It's a scary time and it's the most exciting time at the same time. I feel exactly that I ever lived in, <laughs> yes. for example. So, <laughs> it definitely and, is. And nobody knows you the, the let's say it's kind of harder to rely on things than it ever was uh probably um things are changing in in a speed that we are we never experienced so far and at the same time i think it's such an opportunity to really work on things that are not working anymore so mm -hmm. and, and get rid of things that are not working anymore and i mean This whole, I mean, when I started to engage in like this whole topic, um, the main narrative was basically so far around how this could cure depression and why people would be depressed. And so I, I read a lot about it. And I also, by the way, one should say um, I engaged by myself into two very high dose psilocybin experiences that actually also brought me to founding a company. So I just mm -hmm, really mm -hmm, want to mm -hmm. mention that that I'm I have done this twice in the last few years. So, but I think the when I read about why people are getting depressed, what are actually the reasons? It seemed to me that we created this world around us that is contributing to depression in such a big way that we didn't even realize that we created this mm -hmm. world. And one interesting example is in COVID. In the, in the first year when a lot of people had to stay at home and, you know, pretty much the whole year. So, and I remember here in Berlin, there were so many people who were like, yeah, I just, I cannot live with somebody. I have to live alone. It's so much better. It's so, so much cooler. And suddenly, okay, here's your year alone. <laughs> so, yeah. And then it was like, no, this is not how human beings are created. So, and, and uh, for some reason, some people who happened to live with other people for some organizational reasons, they were like, oh my God, I feel so much better because I'm not alone in this. So mm -hmm. I think that year taught, I think taught us so much about the number one reason why people, for example, get depressed because they don't belong to a community. They kind of learned for some perverse reason that being alone, going alone through life is so much cooler and so much more attractive because you read that novel where this guy is always alone and it's so cool or something. Or <laughs> you saw that movie where it's like the lonely hunter and it's he's so great. Not happening. So, and it's even further, it's even more than that. So even if people have done psychedelic therapy and then go back to their, let's say, old shitty life, it also won't work. Because the, the, the thing integration is, what, is also exactly. a but whole also process. That, that, we, mm -hmm. that we need, I think that the moment <clears throat> right now is so important to recreate communities, recreate even co-living situations, co-creation situations. It's really not about anymore about this. This is one person who is this crazy person and who does it all alone and nobody 
else is important. So that is mm. totally over, I think. Yeah, I think that's a very nice thought to end yes. this talk on. <laughs> for now, for now. For now, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. It's been a course. great pleasure. Same here. So we've already reached the end of this episode. Thank you for staying on all the way through. I'm really excited to have you here. And if you liked what you're hearing, please subscribe to this podcast, Tomorrow Stories, here on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you like, you can always get in touch with us via our website, tomorrowstories.com, or via our Instagram account, Tomorrow Stories. Until next time, take care. <laughs>